I spoke to you last Sunday morning from the subject of unsearchable riches. Figure if I wait long enough, somebody remember, or be brave enough to speak it out. Prior to my sickness, I've been dwelling on some phrases like that that are in the scriptures, and just felt a nudge that I ought to work on that. So I have another one for us this morning. It was unsearchable riches this morning. I want to talk to us about unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. From 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll read some scripture together. From 1 Peter chapter 1, inviting you to turn with me there, and then if you're able to stand to do so as we read these verses together, beginning with verse number 3 from 1 Peter Chapter 1, beginning with verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, one that cannot decay. Hallelujah. And undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. What a great outcome. Father, we're trusting you this morning for what you want to convey to us through this passage and from this message. We pray that it will be such that you can anoint and use for your honor and glory and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. While I won't dwell on the Amplified Bible like I did last week, I had to look there and see what it said. It said, without having seen him, you love him, though you do not even now see him. You believe in him and exult and thrill with inexpressible. There was a word I was looking for inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. As a Christian, have you had moments of great joy? Maybe the moment of your forgiveness, when you were born again and brought into the fold of God, The joy over the victory that God gives. The peace that he puts within your heart and into your life. 
Maybe you had great joy over a a healing experience, an unforgettable, an unmistakable moment when God came and granted the touch that was needed. Perhaps it was an answer to prayer, maybe a modern day miracle, unmistakable, no doubt about it, an answer to prayer, something that only God could do, or perhaps His presence just came so near. The glory of God showing itself in such a way that you were brought to a point that you could say, you know, I really don't have words for that. I've just experienced something that has depth and quality to us, to, to myself, that, that is unutterable. I mean, it's just something, how do you convey it? I don't know. You've got to feel it. You've got to experience it to know it for yourself. I think that's what Paul is getting to in his letter here, in the writings that, that we see before us through, through Peter, uh, First Peter, we should say, that, that, that to feel unspeakable joy, I believe that our attitude toward God matters. To feel unspeakable joy in our, in our heart and life, I, I believe our experience of grace matters. What we've experienced for ourselves, the depth of it, the quality of it, the life-changing, life-transforming, life-impacting experience that we've had with God, it matters. It truly matters. I would say that the key to feeling unspeakable joy in both good times and bad times is to cast all of one's concerns Upon Jesus Christ. Being able to rest it in his hands. To rest assured that he has everything under control. Whether it's good times or bad times. It's all committed to God. That will give you a depth of joy that's unspeakable. Something you can't gain by anything else in this world. It is something that comes... From God. He is our reason for joy. He produces it, does He not? It's because of Him we have it. And no wonder it can be unspeakable and unutterable and inexpressible for us. When we read Peter's epistles, we realize that Peter's come a long way. You look back in his history, you look back at the, the roughness that he was in the early goings and what God did in his life. There's no doubt about it. Peter had an experience with God and an experience that transformed him in such a way that his ministry, wow, just blossomed there on the day of Pentecost. So we see that Peter's experienced something. No wonder now he's like, It's unspeakable joy. It is something that is just beyond what human tongue can tell and what really the mind can hardly conceive. He learned learned that the only true source of joy and satisfaction is Jesus. It's Jesus himself. That's the only true source of it all. But he not only learned that, but Peter, Peter seemed to learn well to put service to others above his own concerns. It brought to mind that old chorus that we've sung 
across the years, Jesus and others and you. Pretty good way to spell joy, isn't it? What a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus, others, and then you. We see it expressed in Peter's life. And I would ask us this morning, how are we, how are we maturing in Christ? What kind of progress are we making? Can we identify with someone like the Apostle Paul or, or Peter or another that we've been, we've been given some glimpses of their life and we can see how they develop, where God was taking them and how God used them? The Christian life, I believe, should be characterized by joy. We believe that. I think the Bible affirms that. In the Christian life, there's something of joy that comes and takes up residence when we, when we come to know Christ and we begin to develop spiritually. There's a joy that comes. Christians have every reason to be joyful. What Jesus brings into our lives when He saves us and delivers us from sin is better felt than told, isn't it? It's better felt than told time and again. And we can get so immersed with the thrill of Jesus that words are simply inadequate to be able to really spell it out, to really tell it like it is. You've got to experience it. You've got to feel it for yourself. Something you just have to experience firsthand to know what I'm talking about. I don't often let too much of my cat out of the bag when it comes to messages. I feel God directed me to preach, but I slipped a little bit this week. I was snipping some hair in my little barber shop, and, uh, and I, I said to Ken Hetrick, what direction? I felt like I was going to go today. And Ken told me, he said, you know, for a number of years, I, I couldn't quite figure this joy out. And, and you know, what people would talk about in their relationship with God until, until something foundational happened in his life. When Jesus became so very real, he truly did a work in his heart. He said, suddenly it became very evident to me about this unspeakable joy and something that so fills and thrills that it's beyond words. What an amazing experience to know Christ. So what should this happiness and joy look like? The answer, I believe, will depend on how you view Christian joy. We're all different. Our makeups are different. Some laugh, some cry, some clam up. Some are real buoyant and others are just more laid back. A whole bunch of us in between. Some feel that Christian joy should be expressed as, well, you're just all the time, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I get those moments every once in a while, but not always. Or, you know, you've got to have a bumper sticker or two or three or four. I love Jesus. Honk if you love Jesus. There's a philosophy that one should feel and look happy all the time. Some of you are getting worried where I'm going with this. You know, unbelievers look at that kind of philosophy of joy and they think, Maybe one of several things that were out of touch with reality, that uh, it means you have to disengage your, your head somehow, your mind, uh, to, to think that it's all the time, hallelujah, praise the Lord. 
Christianity is a pie in the sky, has nothing to do with real life. Some think Christianity is a fake, Christians are fake, nobody could be that happy all the time. I I suppose, I, I think those criticisms might be valid with the way some have conveyed it. Something is wrong with someone who has a simplistic approach to life because one size does not fit all. And, and, and so if we all had to express our joy in the same way, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble. Yet there's a deep, settled peace and a joy of the Lord that is there that is your strength. It's your anchor point. It's your foundation. It's what gets you through the day. It's what enables you to be able to face the highs and the lows of life, the challenges that you have, something that is consistently the same. That makes joy unspeakable. In my opinion, that makes joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. Thank God for something that is so satisfying and so anchoring in our life. Christian joy. It doesn't always express itself in outward shows of enthusiasm. It's not a roller coaster ride of emotional ups and downs. It's a deep, quiet, smoldering sense of joy. Something deep within. It just remains constant despite the outward circumstances. You can rely on a Christian like that because. God just enables them to stay on an even keel in their relationship with Him. They're not one day in, one day out in their relationship with God. You see them go through the valley, but God keeps them. He strengthens them. He helps them. You see them rise to the mountaintop, but God still keeps them. Keeps them steady. Because some of the most dangerous times are the high points and the low points. But God gives an unspeakable joy in the midst of all of that. The Apostle Paul certainly illustrates true joy. The Apostle Paul. And I want to jump over and spend probably the bulk of the rest of our time just kind of examining some things in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is known as the epistle of, can anybody just think right offhand? The epistle of joy. The book of Philippians is the epistle of joy, commonly known as the epistle of joy, even though Paul was where when he wrote it? In prison. Oh my goodness. How can we have joy that remains constant regardless? It's worth examining what Paul went through, isn't it? If he could write the epistle of joy from prison, that gets my attention. So I want to try to answer that question of of a joy that remains constant regardless, looking at a little deeper look at the life of the apostle Paul. I want to consider two aspects of it. Number one, the harsh realities of life that he faced. And number two, the indestructible roots that he had put down. There's harsh realities, but thank God we can have indestructible roots that hold us steady in all those realities of life. 
Number one, the harsh realities, the circumstances that could have robbed Paul, the Apostle Paul, of his joy. Those are the harsh realities of life. Number one, he's in prison. The Apostle Paul is in prison. Now, there are few happy prisoners, right? I haven't found very many that were extremely happy, you know, unless they came to know Jesus and, and, knew, and yelled, without a doubt, there have been some people that have experienced something that even in prison couldn't rob them of their joy. Paul was one of those. He wasn't there for the reason some go to prison. Life has been interrupted. Freedom's been restricted. Many prisoners become bitter at the system. Oh, how often we've heard stories like that. That judge, <laughs> you know, that attorney did me wrong, didn't represent me well, etc., etc. There are few happy prisoners. Harsh reality of life, Paul's a prisoner, and he's writing an epistle of joy. (laughs) Being in prison must have bothered even Paul. His life and his freedom were interrupted. There was even some uncertainty as to his future. We can read in the first chapter, verse 20 of Philippians, it, 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 it ends with this, So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it's by life or by death. No wonder he had joy. It didn't matter. To live as Christ, to die as gain. I might get my head chopped off, but that's all right. That God may be glorified in the midst of it all. So he's looking at those harsh realities. I might live, I might die. It's hard to imagine that not everybody liked Paul. In some sense, some were envious. They were glad to see him out of the way. But in the midst of it all, the Apostle Paul is carrying some deep concern for some that were very close to him. One of those in particular was Epaphroditus. Alan's not too bad of a name. How'd you like to be Epaphroditus? Yeah. He talks in chapter 2 of Epaphroditus, his brother and companion in labor, in fellowship. The Apostle Paul, was, he was in prison. He couldn't do a thing about it, but he's, he's concerned about Epaphroditus. He had heard some things about this brother. He was sent by the church to come to the prison in, in Rome, no doubt, where Paul was, and, and visit him. But he takes sick. He's so sick he could die. Word is, it doesn't look like Epaphroditus is going to make it. So the Apostle Paul's in prison writing an epistle of joy, carrying a burden, a harsh reality of here's a brother trying to come and encourage me in the Lord and bring me some good news and something to cheer me up. And lo and behold, he's laid out. Might not make it. Paul was worried about the problems of a local church. He bore responsibilities. You know, churches that were established. And lo and behold, once you know, they'd get one in Corinth. And those Corinthians... He had some real challenges. The devil was fighting. The devil didn't like it. He didn't want that church in Corinth. Carnality, you know, raises its head. The apostle Paul's in prison. Can't go there, do much about it. But I'll write an epistle of joy. Even though I've got these great concerns for the church at Corinth. Unless God intervenes and carnality is exposed and dies. Goes, you know, the death route. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse and purify and help these people. He's carrying this burden. He's got this concern for these folk in Corinth, the church in Corinth, and, and carnality that was raising its, 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 uh, its ugly head. There was disunity. There was a problem of false teaching even that was going on. You can read about it. 
the book of Corinthians. So the harsh realities of life, Paul was bearing, yet he's writing about joy, the epistle of joy. That makes me get my ears up, pay attention. What was it? How did he do that? Well, there were some indestructible roots that he made sure he drilled deep. Let's look at a couple of them. Reasons that Paul maintained a sense of joy regardless. One of them, I believe, is the the realities that Paul realized. The realities that came about in his life. The circumstances surrounding his life. And we can see it repeatedly carried out here in in chapter 1 and on from there. Paul realized he wasn't alone. You know, that's a biggie. That's a biggie. When, when you're struck down, when, when you're really just really struggling and joy would like to just suck right out of you, why, I'm not alone. I am not alone. That does a lot for an individual. He was able to see that his work was accomplishing something. Some results were happening. There, were, there was evidence of, of the, the efforts he had put forth were, were going on. And God was still at work. He knew that the saints were praying for him. He knew that the Holy Spirit was interceding for him. Hallelujah. No wonder there's unspeakable joy. Something I can feel and you can feel when we've put our roots down. We've got some things settled. We've driven some stakes. There are some things that are just unmovable in our life. I will not violate my conscience. I will not go against God. Oh, God being my helper to keep a good spirit and a Christ-like attitude and all of that. Just driving those roots down so that when reality strikes... Chips are down and life is difficult. There's something that keeps you steady. I battled this message all week. Really struggled to get my direction how I wanted to go with this message. Because I think God knew how much I needed it and maybe how much you need it. Keep drilling. Keep drilling. Keep putting those roots down. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep in the word of God. We're going to need it. If you don't need it today or tomorrow, you might need it come Tuesday. Or you might need it a month from now. Get your roots down. Get them anchored. Get them settled. Indestructible roots of joy that Paul had. The realities that he realized. He knew he had a purpose. He had a goal in life. He talks about it in chapter 3, verse 10. To know Christ. (laughs) To know Christ. To make Him known. Those were things that just were consumed him. It was to know Christ and to make him known. He was confident of his salvation. He knew beyond a doubt what God had done for him in his life. It was his anchor point. It was a root that was drilled deep. In chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, he says, Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his own glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Oh, no wonder he had unspeakable joy. No wonder he could write about joy. There were some things that were just settled. It didn't matter what the outward circumstances were. Realities he realized, the attitudes he possessed. Paul's mind didn't, he chose not to dwell on the past. You see that in his his writings, don't you? Chapter 3, verse 
13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. He chose to just keep pressing on. Let those things go. He also strived to dwell only on what was good. We go to Philippians chapter 4. Favorite verses of mine. Verse, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. No wonder he had a joy that could not be disturbed by all of the outward circumstances. He was drilling. He was getting anchored. Those indestructible roots that kept him. He strived to dwell only on what was good. He looked to see the hand of God in bad circumstances. Verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, But I... I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. <laughs> oh yeah, I might be in prison. Things didn't go as planned. I was trying to do something for God and I got slapped in here. But you know what? It's for the furtherance of the gospel. Don't understand it, God, but I know you're at work. Even these bad circumstances. I wish they weren't this way, but they are. But God's a helping me. It's getting some roots down. I'm afraid it doesn't go that well for someone that's shallow in their experience. Struggles through all of that. We all have our struggles. There's a certain amount of struggles that Apostle Paul was having as we talked about. But there was something that was anchored. It was the depth of his experience that was keeping him in the midst of it all. He sought to see the hand of God in his circumstances. New opportunities were opening up. He talks about it in chapter 1, verse 13. And by the way, we, we know Paul also wrote that verse by inspiration of God, Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We would take note of that, that it doesn't say that we see all things work together for good. We know all things work together for so even in the bad circumstances, while we might not realize, we might not see it come to pass the way we wanted to, God won't miss his mark. He won't miss his opportunities. My job is to get my roots down, let him keep me settled. That's what brings unspeakable joy. That God could keep me through all of that? That's a miracle. That's inexpressible. The joy that God can bring the hand of God in bad circumstances. He, he saw that others were picking up the slack. He saw that even his enemies were preaching Christ. Can you imagine that? He talks about it in verse, uh, verse 18 of chapter 1. He said, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Even though they were, some of them were not exactly on the same page with him. He said, and therein I do rejoice. <laughs> He could rejoice anyhow, even when his enemies were preaching Christ. And finally, I would say that, that these roots getting down is part of what Paul learned. He learned to be content, didn't he? The Apostle Paul learned to be content with little. 
Chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Christian joy is not dependent on favorable circumstances. It's just not. If your circumstances have to be favorable for you to find joy in Jesus... You better work on those roots. You better work on that experience. I know we're human. I found out the depression that can come along with COVID. There are realities of life that we don't always feel like, hallelujah. Praise God anyhow. But there can remain a deep, settled peace. We've done our homework. We've, we've endeavored to be known of God, be honest with God. Be all he wants us to be. And you know what? He won't leave you in a moment like that. He won't forsake you. You won't have to feel like you're out there on a limb all by yourself. You'll be a very present help in the time of trouble. Unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. Christian joy is related to things that God gives that man can never take away. (laughs) Got a peace in my heart that the world couldn't give and the world can't take it away. Indeed not. For Christians, it's glory all the way. When we trust in Christ as Savior, we're born in glory, for glory. We're being kept for glory. As we obey Him and experience trials, guess what? We're being, we're being prepared for eternal glory. It's glory all the way. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Ultimately, it's glory. It's glory just to walk with Him, and it's glory to be preparing to spend eternity with Him, with all the challenges that it brings. When we love Him and trust Him and rejoice in Him, we experience glory here and now. In this life, unspeakable joy. Joy unspeakable. The faith that accepts salvation becomes the love that adores the Savior. The faith that accepts his salvation becomes the love that adores him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a thing you did in my heart and life. The things you took away from me that I don't want anymore. The things you gave to me that I earnestly yearn for. No wonder it's unspeakable joy. Love for the Savior. This is flinging open your personality to the wooing of a lover. Capital L-O-V-E-R. The lover of our soul. It's, it's just flinging open the pers- your personality to the wooing of a lover. Finding that your response to the love he bestows is ravishing. Your response to him is one that is that it's just it's wordless. It's wordless. It's, it's redeeming wonder. Joy unspeakable and full of glory to know Christ. How amazing, how amazing. Praise his name. I hope I've said something that might help someone today. It certainly has fed my soul to dwell along these lines and to trust God to enable us to bring a truth like this. And let's, let's just bring it home perhaps with the song that might already be on your mind that's in our hymnal 
Number 423, I believe it is. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Number 423, inviting you to stand. What I want us to do is, I want us to sing all the verses before we sing the chorus. All right? We're going to sing all of the verses before we sing the chorus. Number 423. I have found His grace in all complete. He supplied every the realities of life to still be able to get some things settled and to be able to recognize the hand of God in our life and in all of the experiences and then to experience what the songwriter has talked about here in the various realities of life that the underlying fact of it all that it's joy it brings joy unspeakable and full of glory and yet the half has never been told there's so much more for us to comprehend there's so much more for us to experience help us we pray to continue on this journey with you in such a way that it it just simply gets better and better as we go deeper and deeper and experience more of the riches the unsearchable riches of God we find that it truly brings us to a point of unspeakable joy in the faithfulness of God and your hand upon our life and all that you've done for us all you've brought us through and all that we anticipate Lord Bless this truth to our hearts. Dismiss us with your presence in a special way. And we'll praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.